have something that's kind of heavy on my heart. As we've been in this study called Behold New, um, I have something that, that kind of, man, I, everywhere I turn right now, it just seems to be cropping up. It seems to be placed in the forefront of my mind. It seems to be popping up on my Facebook. Yes, that's old people use Facebook still. It just keeps, keeps coming up and up and up, you know. And, and, and like just a couple of days ago, something along the same lines, it, it came up again. And that is, you know, this, this whole idea of what is the church supposed to be right now? Like, is it okay for us to be a little different than what the church used to be? Is it okay for us to change our approach to reach different people? Is that okay? You know, I, I saw something on Facebook, and I get these ads all the time that say, Oh, you need to do this, this, and this, and we will sell you a book, we will give you a video, and this is how you will increase church attendance, you know? And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't buy them, I don't, I, don't, I don't even go into that section in the Christian bookstore, because truthfully, if we stick to the truth, it really doesn't matter how many lights there are on the stage, it really doesn't matter how much smoke there is in the room, the, the truth is supposed to be what draws us to Jesus, and when you get close to Jesus, when you get really close to Him, then you want more of Him, Okay? And that's the way that it works. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really care about the approach, but we cannot change the truth in an attempt to get closer to Jesus. Now, what some people will do is they will water down the truth, or they will put the truth in such a way, they will try to sugarcoat the truth in such a way that they try to artificially draw you to Jesus. And they say, you know what, if you love Jesus, then you'll have a nice car. <laughs> if you love Jesus, then you won't get sick. If you love Jesus, you'll have plenty of wealth. If you love Jesus, this will happen, and that will happen, and this will happen, and that will happen. And the truth is, that's not true. The truth is, if you love Jesus, you know what the truth is? He's going to love you. The truth is, no, if you don't love Jesus, you know what the truth is? He's going to love you. And that's the truth that we should embrace. And that's the truth that should bring you closer to him and want to be in his presence. And I cannot... I cannot make this building any prettier. I cannot make any more smoke in the room or any more lights that will draw you closer to Jesus. All I can do is give you this truth, and if this truth doesn't draw you to Jesus, then, then, then I'm without hope. There's nothing I can do. It's got it's to be on the truth, and it's got to be in Him alone, and there's nothing else. And the question is, can we change our approach a little bit, and is that okay? Absolutely, as long as we don't change the, change the word, as long as we don't change the truth, as long as we don't try to present the truth in such a way that we give you a half-truth. Now, you've seen this done on the news, am I right? So they'll take, they'll take somebody's statement, right? They'll take somebody's statement on the news, and then they'll clip it. <laughs> they'll clip it over here, and then they'll play that little clip, and they'll clip it over here, and they'll play that little clip, and they'll stick it together to make their own story. You've seen that been done before, right? You ever watch CNN? It happens all the time. So it, 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 you see that happen. The news will do that. I mean, they will give you a truth based on what they see the truth to be. That's why we cannot do that. That's why we cannot cut and paste God's word and we cannot piece it together to make it say some truth that it does not really say. That's why it's so important when we read God's word that we look at, man, what is, what is God really saying holistically? What does his word really say, the big picture, and what is it saying to us? I think that sometimes people, they have good intentions. They really do because they want more people to be able to preach to because they like full rooms, and I got that. I love preaching to a full room more than I like preaching to an empty room, and that's truth, okay? But the truth is that we cannot cut and paste Scripture so that it makes it say something that you'll come back to hear it again next week. We just can't do that. If you don't come back here next week, that's not on me. That, 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 that's truly on you. I hate to say that, but that's the way that it is. My, my job is to bring God's Word as it is written. If you don't like it, 
you, you can choose to not like me, but I, I always say this, not liking me because of what God's word says, it's like hating the mailman because he brings your bills to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. I didn't write it. I'm just reading to you what it says. Y'all like that analogy, don't you? Yeah. You know, some of y'all wanting to punch your mailman next time. Like, bring me another bill. I'll fix you. Yeah. The truth is, man, is that it's okay to change our approach a little bit. And I think that what we're going to see today is that, that God says through his son Jesus Christ that don't get so stuck in your ways that, that you forget to see the bigger picture. You don't get so stuck in the ways that you've always done things and the way that you, you, you have always thought them to be supposed to be done that you forget that, man, you're supposed to be close to Jesus, and that's the most important thing. That that is the most important thing. I will say, and I'm not going to get into this a lot, but th this is a big thing that's going on right now. A couple days ago, John MacArthur was up in front of a panel of people, and he said something about Beth Moore and about her preaching and it not being okay. I will say up front that there are very few times in my life I've ever found myself in opposition to something John MacArthur says. This happens to be one of those times. And J.D. Greer, who is the president of the SBC, said, Beth Moore is welcome in my house any day. So... I don't know if me and, and J.D. Greer are on the same page, and I don't know if me and John MacArthur are on the opposite page, but I can say this, that I believe that there is a time and a place for women to be able to speak, and I absolutely believe that they can do it within the confines of a church. Now, here is why I say that. Now, I would, I would challenge John MacArthur on this one. If there's a woman standing on a street corner and she starts to tell somebody about Jesus, is she supposed to stop? Of course not. You would say, well, of course she's supposed to tell somebody about Jesus. What if she's got a testimony about something that has happened in her life, life that has led her to Jesus, and she's sharing that with somebody? And that's a woman. John MacArthur would say, that's great. That's a phenomenal thing to do. Well, what if another man walks up? What if a man walks up, and she's sharing this story with a woman? Is she supposed to stop because a man has walked up and not supposed to share Jesus with this man? Not supposed to share her testimony with this man? He would probably say, no, it's okay. I would say this, what's the difference between it being one man and one woman and a thousand men and a thousand women, or a thousand men and one woman? I think the reality is if you're a woman, you've got a story to share, if you've got God's word to share, if this woman standing on the street corner says, you know what, this is what God showed me through his word, and this is what drew me to Jesus, and this is the reason I believe in Jesus the way that I do, I think that that's okay. And for us to say that it can't happen that way inside these four walls is ridiculous. Because the church is everywhere. I don't care if it's on a street corner or I don't care if it's behind the love stuff sign. It's a church. It's a church. So don't tell me just because we get dressed up in a three-piece suit that it's got to be different. As a matter of fact, I don't dress in a three-piece suit in case you hadn't noticed. I really believe, I really believe that I can tell you truth without dressing in a three-piece suit. I really believe that I don't have to wear a tie for me to tell you what God's word says. I believe it's okay for a pastor who is 42 years old to wear vans. It is okay. <laughs> Mike just gave me one of these. He's like, yeah, rock on, baby. That's right. Ain't nothing wrong with wearing vans, is there? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, why are we getting so wrapped up in all this stupid, penny-ante little stuff when, man, we should, you know what we should be worried about? Getting closer to Jesus. And if a woman telling somebody else about Jesus gets them closer to Jesus, so be it. So be it. And I think J.D. Greer would probably be on the same page with that. I don't know if John MacArthur is, but I think J.D. Greer probably is. And I think Jesus addresses this particular situation. As we look at this series, Behold New, I think that, man, we've got we to remember 
that it's okay for us to be new in our approach. It's okay for us to be a little bit new in our way of thinking. I, you know, we were singing that, that song, uh, Lead Me Where Oceans. Golly, I could not think of the name of the song, Oceans. Uh, we were singing that song, and I was thinking about this movie I watched recently about these three boys who fell into a lake. Have you seen this, this movie that came out, you know? And, and uh, one of the boys actually went under, and this guy went in. There was a rescuer and found the kid and brought him out, and he had been under a long time, and his mom was just praying over him and praying over him. And she was actually, she, she worked in the church, and, and she didn't like her new pastor. You know why she didn't like her new pastor? She hated his haircut. Because he had, he had the hipster haircut, you know, and it shows them in there singing, and they're singing oceans, and they're like, oh, it's all dark in there. Like, that, like they took the old traditional worship center, and they, they painted all the walls black and all this kind of stuff. And so she didn't really like that a whole lot. But you know what? When her son fell into that water and, and he was under there, you know who the first person to show up at the hospital, to actually the one that actually beat her to the hospital was her pastor with a funny haircut. And she came to realize through all that that, you know what, it doesn't matter about what color the walls are, it doesn't matter what kind of worship style, it doesn't matter what kind of haircut the dude's got. She says she still doesn't like his haircut, but she loves him to death, you know? Man, I, th I think that we get so wrapped up in such stupid stuff, man, we forget the bigger picture. And I, I think it's okay for us to be new in a little bit of different ways, you know? He, this pastor in this movie actually said, you know what, I figured out that the, the younger generation, they just kind of need a little more cowbell, you know? And that's okay. It's okay to reach them in that way as long as you don't change the truth. As long as the truth is still the truth. So let's look at what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 33, it says this. It says, one day some people came to Jesus and said, John the Baptist, disciples fast and pray regularly. So the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? So you have to understand, okay, first of all, John, John's disciples, man, these are people that, 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 you know, John is the one that led the way in order for Jesus to be able to come and was preparing the way for him to come and all this kind of stuff. So John's disciples, man, they were on board with the Jesus idea. They were on board with the Jesus camp, you know. But they still adhered to some of the old ways, which was to fast and pray a certain number of times, that, that you're supposed to, to, to fast twice a week and all this kind of stuff. There was always prescriptions in the Jewish way of living. Of, this is the way that you did things, right? But what the people did not understand is that they were... They were missing the whole point of fasting and praying. It's not just so you can fast and pray. Do you know that when you fast and when you pray, which by the way, you should fast and you should pray. If you don't fast, you should. If you don't pray, you should. When you do that, you're not doing that so that you can say, I fast and I pray. That's not the reason why you do it. You do it as an act of your faith. You know full well that God already knows the desires of your heart. You know full well that he already knows the struggles that you're going through. He knows you so well, he knows the number of hairs on your head, right? So he does, he's not surprised by the fact that you have cancer. He's not surprised by the fact that your loved one is sick. He's not surprised by that stuff. He knows what's going on. He knows that breaks our heart. So why then do we pray? What's the purpose of us praying? Number one, it's because God says so. And he says so, first of all, through his son Jesus Christ, who prayed a lot, by the way would get alone and by himself and pray in the morning. And I think, based on what I see in Scripture, prayer is not so much for God, but it is for us. And for us, what it is about is us exercising our faith and saying, God, this is what is going on in my life. First of all, we're supposed to say thank you for what you have done in my life. That is the first way that you start any prayer is to say thank you. The second thing is to say, God, I have something going on in my life and I trust you 
with it. I trust you completely in it. Let me give you details about what's going on in my life because I want you to know how much I trust you with every single detail. There is somebody who is lost that I know, that I love, that I care about, and I'm going to put them in your hands by saying, God, I have faith and trust in you that you will use me in such a way to bring them closer to Jesus. I cannot bring them to you. All I can do is be a light for them so that they will come to you. God, I trust you completely with that situation, and that is why we pray, to give him thanks and to say, God, I trust you. It doesn't, it doesn't ha have to be any more complicated than that. You don't have to say some big elaborate prayer. You say, thank you, and I trust you, and that's basically what a prayer is. And then fasting. Oh, boy, here we go. Kenny going to talk about fasting. Uh, he's he's going to get on us about, we can't fast from secular music, we can't fast from chocolate. That's not exactly fasting. Fasting is abstaining from food, okay? And I want you to know the reason that you fast. I want you to know the reason that you fast is so that you can get closer to God. I can tell you from my own personal experience, there have been things that I've been struggling with. I need clarity. In particular, this is the way that, that the fasting has been very beneficial to me. It's to give me clarity in what God is saying, okay? There have been times when, God, I need some direction on, in my life, and I will fast. I don't say this boastfully to tell you that I fast. I'm telling you that I fast because we're supposed to fast. And I will fast and say, God, give me direction. Well, 24 hours into it, I haven't eaten. I've only drank you know, water, juice, milk, whatever, and God starts to give me a little bit of clarity. And then maybe 36 hours into the fast, I get a little more clarity. And then by the time I, I, my fast is over, I'm like, okay, God, I, I see exactly what it is that you're saying and what you're calling me to do. Sometimes, sometimes it's a matter of I'm struggling with something, therefore I'm fasting because I just want to be close to God. I just want to hear him clearly in my ears. I just want to hear what he has to say to me. I want him to speak to my heart. Therefore, I fast, and I just get close to God as a result. Well, here we have a situation where John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples are looking at the disciples of Jesus going, we, we fast and pray all the time. Why, why, why are you guys not fasting and praying? Now, I don't, I don't want to give it away. Verse 34, so Jesus responds, Do wedding guests fast while celebra celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, you fast and you pray to get close to God? I'm right here. I'm right in your presence. You, 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 the reason my disciples aren't fasting and praying is because, man, they can't get any closer than sitting beside me around the fire. They're, they're, they're sitting there in his presence, and, and yeah, there's going to be a time when they need to get close to God, but right now, I'm here in your presence, so let's, let's enjoy this moment. Don't forget the purpose. He says, don't get so wrapped up in your traditional ways that you forget that the reason is so that you can be close to Jesus. He said, the problem is, you don't see that I'm right here. And the problem with the Pharisees is they were so rigid in their, their way of thinking that they got wrapped up in the, the fact that this is what they were supposed to do to be close to God, to realize the fact that God was right there in their midst. Oh, we can get into this trap, can't we? I thought I was supposed to do this and this and this and this. And Kenny said I was supposed to fast for 40 hours. And if I fast for 40 hours, then God will speak to me. And it'll be this way. And it's not that way. Let the Holy Spirit of God lead you. As you, as you fast, let, let God speak to you. If God says eat, there have been times in the middle of my fast, God would say eat, and I would eat. There would be times when he would say you're going to eat with a homeless person? 
go eat. Don't sit there and not fast and fast and not eat in front of this person. You need to eat and you need to eat alongside them. You listen to the Holy Spirit of God and you let him lead. I'm not going to sit there and say, no, God, I'm in the middle of a fast. I cannot eat, even if your Holy Spirit says so. I cannot. No, God's sitting there speaking to you the whole time, the Holy Spirit going, what you need to do? I am revealing myself to you. Don't be so wrapped up in checking all the boxes that you forget that I'm right here. Um, I had a conversation just this past Friday. Um, I used to think there was something wrong with me because I didn't write out all of my sermons word for word. I really did. I thought that there was. I thought there must be a problem with my heart. I really did. So what I did was, I tried it. I wrote out all of my sermons word for word. And you guys probably heard me tell this story before, but I got up there and it was a disaster. It was the second sermon I ever preached, right? I got up there and I preached for eight minutes and I said everything I knew about the Bible in eight minutes, okay? I went from Genesis to Revelation in eight minutes. I got up there and I looked at my notes and and it looked like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know the way that she talks? That's what the writing looked like. It looked like I was going, wah, 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 wah. It looked like scribbles. I had no idea what was even on the page. Because I was trying to be like somebody else. I thought there was a prescribed way to the way that I was supposed to do it. And God was saying, no, you just, you be the way that I've created you to be. You do what I've called you to do. Stop worrying about what you think you're supposed to do based on what everybody else does. You do what I've called you to do. And this church was founded on the principle of, you know what? We're starting from scratch. We're throwing all the tradition out the window, and we're just going to say, God, what do you want us to do? God, what what is it that you have in store for Simple Church? We're going to do that. That's why we call it Simple Church, because we start simply. We say, let's just do the basics and not worry about all the other stuff. He can wear vans if he wants to. It's okay, you know? Like, you, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. So that's the way Simple Church was founded. And here I think, I think Jesus is kind of saying the same thing, that don't be thinking you got a prescribed way of doing things. You be closer to me. That's the whole point. And I, I believe that, that some people, especially this younger generation, I believe that they appreciate and they really connect with people that are genuine and real. And I think that they appreciate the fact that I can stand up here and talk about all the struggles that I have and the fact that I'm all jacked up in a thousand different ways because they don't feel so disconnected from me and they feel like they can come and talk to me. And say, you know what, I feel the same way sometimes. And that's, that's what I want. That's all I want. I, I, I don't want to be unapproachable. I don't want to dress in such a way that makes me unapproachable. I want to dress in such a way that if there's a homeless person that comes in here, they feel like they can hug me. That's the way I want to be. I'm not going to take tradition and, and cover myself in tradition in such a way that it, it keeps me away from, from what I need to be doing. I'm going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and do what he calls me to do, regardless of what anybody else thinks. And man, that, that second sermon, I got up there and, uh, and I, I preached that terrible message, you know, and I, it's God's word, so, it, you know, according to him, it's, it's great, but from my perspective, it was terrible, you know. Our associate pastor got up there right after, <laughs> right after the message, he said, y'all come give him a hug. That's how you know you didn't deliver a good message. When it lasts eight minutes, you cover from Genesis to Revelation, and the associate pastor says, y'all come give him a hug. Tell him how much you appreciate him. It's all right. God taught me a lesson that day. He says, you be you. 
and you leave room for the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes if we write down everything that we're supposed to say, we don't leave room for the Holy Spirit. I think there are times when I look around and I see people and it reminds me of something that somebody's struggling with and I, it just connects with me and the Holy Spirit says, say this because it, it will connect with them in this way. And I want to do that. I don't want to have everything so lined up and so regimented that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. I want to do things in such a way that God can speak to me and I can relay the information the Holy Spirit's laying on my heart. Don't be so rigid that you miss the whole point. So here Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be a time for that. There's going to be a time for that. And Jesus gave this illustration. Verse 36. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and patches an old garment, for the new garment would be ruined, for the, for the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. So y'all know that clothes shrink, right? That's basically what this is alluding to. You take a new piece of cloth, put it on an old garment or vice versa, like one's going to shrink and it's going to pull away, right? That's Okay, that's Jesus in the summary right there, okay, right? So... You're not gonna, you, 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 you can't be so rigid and so tied up in your old way of doing things. Then when Jesus shows up, that you just stick to the old way of doing things and you don't transform any. You don't allow God to move. You don't allow God to do what he's doing because you're so stuck in your old ways. And that's what he's trying to say to the Pharisees and the followers, followers of the Pharisees. And even some of John, John's disciples, because they didn't realize this either. It says John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples. So they're wrapped up in it a little bit too. Just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you can't get wrapped up into following the old ways. Am I right? Getting stuck in your ways. Here, I think that that's exactly what's going on. He's saying, man, look, you're so rigid. You're so, that God's doing something new. And you're missing the whole thing. And you're ruining, you're ruining the whole picture because it's pulling away. Because you're trying to stick here and trying to put something else new. And it's, it's pulling away and it's tearing the whole garment. It's messing everything up. And then he goes on to make another example. And no one puts uh, new wine in old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine wants, want, <coughs> wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Okay, what is Jesus? Jesus kind of takes a step further here. So, um, by the way, Jesus drunk wine. If you're curious about that, he did. Um, wine, as it ferments, it, it, it allows gases and it expands, right? So they used to put um, the wine inside of skins. So these skins would usually be like a goat's stomach or something. I know it sounds gross, but like if that's all you got and it holds water, hey, put it in a goat's stomach. So anyway, so they would put it in there and they tie it up. And as, as the wine fermented, as the grapes fermented, it would produce gas. And and like if you put the, the new unfermented wine into old wineskins that already been stretched out, man, it's just gonna it's just gonna blow up everywhere, right? Because it's not gonna be able to hold it. It's gonna burst, and then you're gonna have a mess on your hands. And then he says, you know, and and, and you can't do it that way. You, you're trying to you're trying to put this new stuff that God is showing you into the old way of doing things, and it's just gonna burst and make a mess. And he says, and then and then you got these people who says, you know what? The old wine was fine. The old wine, we like the old wine. Can't we just stay with the old wine? I'm so tickled to death that um, we got some people that are, you know, typically when you have a church that's got a very contemporary service, like, it's just like, everybody's like, well, that's just for 30 and younger. I am so excited for the fact that, that we have some older people in here that say, you know what? 
the worship style may be a little different than what I'm used to. It may not even be like the old gospel hymns I used to sing when I was a kid, but it's okay. Jesus is there. His truth is there, so I, I like being in there. There are some people that get so stuck in their ways, and look, the older I get, the more I realize I'm getting stuck in my ways too. I don't like to change. And there are some people that get so stuck in their ways, especially as they get older, they can't embrace new things. They say, man, I like the old way better. I like the way we used to do things. It gave me this good sense of, of feeling. You know what I figured out? I got to thinking about this too. This is natural inclination for humans. Did you know that? To do the old stuff. You know why? It's because our brains like familiarity. That's why you sit in the same chairs every week. You don't have to think about it. You just come in and sit down where I've always sat. You don't have to worry about a new angle or is the pole going to be in my way. You just, like, you just go to the same place you've always sat and therefore it's comfortable to your brain. Am I right about that? Like Naturally, we're inclined to do that. Well, let me tell you something. When Jesus comes into your life, when he wrecks your life because he is new, when he makes you new, he gives you a new way of thinking. He, he wrecks your old way of thinking. He, you, you, can't, you can't just try to fit him in your old ways of thinking. And a lot of people try to do this with Jesus. They try to continue to live their lives the way they used to live, and Jesus comes in, and he's completely different. He's 180 degrees from what you're naturally inclined to do, so they struggle with that. And some people... They, 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 when they count the cost of discipleship, is what, what Jesus calls it. When you actually look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, they walk away from Jesus. They walk away from Jesus, which we'll talk about in a minute too, but in a different context. But they say, you know what? The stuff you're talking about, man, it's just it's different than what, what's normal for me. It's different from what I'm used to. I can't take different. If you are going to be new, if you truly believe that God is going to make you new, you have to embrace new. You can't be stuck in your old ways of thinking. You can't be stuck in your old traditional ways of doing things and think that that's okay. Because you're just going to end up with a mess on your hands. You're going to be struggling hanging on to the old and, and embracing the new, and you're just going to tear everything apart. You know what we should do? This is what we should do. Be close to Jesus. Be close to Jesus. Don't miss him while he's here. Don't be so wrapped up in the old versus the new that you can't figure out what to do. And you, I don't know what to do, and I'm, I'm so torn. You know what? Just listen to Jesus. Kenny says I'm supposed to fast. I don't know how to fast. Just listen to Jesus. Just listen to Jesus. Be close to Jesus. If you're not, if you're not close to Jesus, you say you want to be, stop eating. Say, Jesus, God, I'm not going to eat until I'm closer to you. I'm not going to do anything else but be close to you. And see what God does in your life. so many things I want to say, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. God had to convince me that I, that even though I felt like I was crazy by doing some of the things that, that we do here in Simple Church, God really, I mean, I had to, I said, God, you're going to have to wreck my whole world to show me that what, what you're calling me to do is the right thing to do. Because I had to wage war against the way I'd always thought things were supposed to be done. I really did, and, and, and I had this idea in my mind about the way things were supposed to go, and, and like, I thought I was supposed to go to seminary. I thought, I, I thought that if I didn't have a seminary degree, that there's no way that, that I could ever lead a church. They have to give me a prescription for, for being a pastor. There's no way I can do it unless they give me like a piece of paper that says, you can be a pastor now. And I had this conversation 
uh, with a pastor of a First United Methodist Church, who, by the way, has completely contradicted the Word of God in some of their beliefs, but we won't go into that. They should have taught them how to read the Bible in seminaries, really what they should have taught them how to do. But anyway, ooh, that was tough, right? He was having a conversation with me, and he was belittling me because I did not have a seminary degree. I was to do a wedding in his church, and he was putting me down, basically. And he just kind of laughed me off because I was a pastor of one of these these newer contemporary churches, and I'd never been to seminary. The truth is, I've been to seminary. Um, it's interesting that I say this today, but uh, I have been to seminary. I took one class, and I failed it. So in case you're wondering, your pastor has been to seminary. Um, I went to Liberty University. I took one of their classes, and I failed it. So if you want to know, I have been to seminary. It didn't go very long, but I have been. So this pastor was, like, putting me down. And so I, I started thinking about this, and I was like, what about what about the guy that's in Uganda? And he feels impressed upon his heart that he's supposed to lead a group of people towards Jesus. And they start getting together, and they start praying, and he starts reading the word to them. And he does this every week. And no, they don't have a fancy building. As a matter of fact, they're just meeting under a tree. Is that a church? Absolutely, it's a church. Is he a pastor? Absolutely, he's a pastor. Did he go to Liberty University? No, he did not. No, he did not. Does that make him any less of a pastor? I don't think so. You know what I think makes you a pastor? God's calling on your life. God's calling on your life. You know what I think makes you a Christian, makes you new, makes you recreated? God's calling on your life. God's calling on your life. Let's not make it more complicated than that. Let's not mix all this other stuff in there in such a way that, that we get all confused. Let's just keep it that simple. Let's just keep it that simple. Let's not miss Jesus because we're so wrapped up in all the other stuff. Am I right? One of the things that we're doing in our small group study, if you're not part of a small group, you need to be. We're talking about mere Christianity, mere Christianity, and we're talking, it's by C.S. Lewis, and we're talking about the things that unite us as Christians. What are the core beliefs that, that make us Christians? What is it really that makes us a Christian? Let's, let's talk about that. Let's make sure we embrace those core values that make us Christians. So one of the things we're going to do this morning is that we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to have a time of communion with God. And uh, I want our ushers to go ahead and start making their way back to the back so we can start passing it out. And you guys can start passing it out as I'm talking if you like. The reality is, is God's making you new. That God's re recreating you every single day. That every single day he's showing you something. He's guiding you in a new direction. If you think that you know the direction that you're going and, and you're a Christian, let me tell you something. God's probably going to change that path. One of the things that happened in my life is that I thought that, that, that I was never supposed to be a youth pastor. I thought that there's no way God would call me to youth ministry because I didn't even like youth ministry. I went to my first youth service. I didn't like any of the people in there. Nobody talked to me. Nobody wanted to even look at me. Well, the thing is, after God had put that calling on my life, I went back, and I went back the next time, and I went back the next time. You know what happened? God gave me such a passion and a desire for those youth that I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Even when it comes to simple church, I think to myself some days, how in the world could I possibly be a pastor? We do things so unorthodox. We do things in such a weird way here. I mean, we got little communion cups with a wafer at the top, you know? Like, what? What is up with that? We don't have any silver platters. Like, there's no way, man. There's no way. But the reality is, 
This communion cup is supposed to draw you closer to Jesus. This communion cup is supposed to remind you of the sacrifice that was made for each and every one of you. This communion cup where you, where you take the bread and take the drink is supposed to remind you of the blood and the body that was shed for each and every one of us. You see, I think if we get so wrapped up in what it's supposed to look like that we forget what it is it's supposed to represent. What it is it's supposed to represent. And what it's supposed to represent is the sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us. Now, one of the things that you need to do is you as you get ready to take your communion cup, and the way we do it here is you take it on your own time. Whenever you're ready to take it, you take it. But you need to repent, and you need to draw close to Jesus. You say, God, I want to be close to you as I take this in remembrance of you. I want to remember what you did for me. So therefore, God, make me right with you right now. God, purify me of anything that is not right so I can just be close to you. Because when I take this, God, I want to be closer to you today than I've ever do you pray that way? Do you pray that way to God? God, I want to be closer to you today than I've ever been. I want to be more connected with you. I want to be tied in. I want to be tied into the vine so tightly. God, that I'm producing fruit, that I'm doing something for your kingdom, that I'm glorifying you with all of my life and all of my heart. Is that the way that you pray? Let me tell you something. Even if you don't, even if you don't, and maybe you're in here and like, man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian tell you something even if you don't love him he still loves you and this this drink and this this bread represents his love for you and the way he died for you and the way he shed his blood for you and the way that he gave up his body for you it may not represent things fully in your mind unless you're a christian but let me tell you something when you look at it i want you to look at it and i want you to see man this is what jesus did for me this is how he loved me this is how he cared for me simple church it goes this way whenever you're ready you take the lord's supper you take your communion it's a time to commune it's a time to draw close to him don't don't miss the chance to draw close to him because you're worried about it not coming out of a silver platter don't miss the chance to be close to jesus because you're worried about peeling the top off of it you know what what matters is what it represents and the love that was poured out for each and every one of us if you don't know jesus christ let me tell you something man can know him. You can follow through in believer's baptism just like Lucy Kate did this morning. You can pro pro profess to the whole world that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you can let him be known to the whole world through your life and your testimony and your transformation. You can allow that to happen today. You can come to him today and fall at the foot of the cross and admit that you have nothing, that everything that you have, there is nothing good in you and the only way that you can ever have eternity with him is through the sacrifice of the son Jesus have that today. It can be real for you today. This cup that you hold in your hand, it can represent reality for you today. Father, thank you so much, God, for your precious blood, for your body that was given for each and every one of us. I know that so many times we get distracted by a thousand different things that keep us from getting close to you. Lord, I pray today that we remember how we were made new. God, that we would just stand in awe as you say, behold, Behold just means watch this. Take close care of this. Be amazed by this. Lord, today I pray that we would behold the fact that we are new. If there's somebody here who is not new, God, I pray for their soul. God, I pray that you would show them today, God, that you're right here in their midst. 
God, they can reach out and grab your hand today. They can fall on their face before you today and God say, you know what, Lord, be my Savior. Be my Rescuer, my Redeemer. God, I pray that somebody might do that today.